If you can hear the sound of my voice, you are in the right place at the right time. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash. News Talk 840 KXNT, live and local here in beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Yes, uh, Ash, we are broadcasting from our office as we uh, usually do uh, this time of day. Uh, and uh, it's been a lovely day already. Very busy. Uh, good, um, I don't know, just good vibes all around. Yeah. Enjoying it. And it's also warmer. I'm enjoying that. So it's yeah. not 29 degrees. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you see Antonio Brown uh, broke his silence? He's explaining why this is the guy that had a temper tantrum on the field during a game, tore his shirt off, football player, and then um, then I guess had to you know leave and got fired. And and now he's saying that the the team they gave him powerful pain meds and forced him to play. Blaming the drugs? Yeah, so I basically I remember when this happened. And Antonio Brown, you have to remember, he's a a strange dude. He was here at the Raiders facility refusing to play with a new helmet. So he's a guy that has an interesting, fascinating kind of history that's riddled with trouble. And so he's down in Tampa Bay, and then he goes flying off the field, ripping his shirt off, and everyone goes, oh, there goes Antonio Brown again, thinking he's crazy. And now he's breaking his silence going, I'm not crazy. I was in ridiculous pain. Everyone in the organization knew I was in pain. They gave me a drug to so I could get on the field and play. The coach at one point in the middle of the game tries to get me to go out on the field, and I tell him I can't because I'm in pain, and he says, you're done here. And he goes, when someone tells me I can't feel pain and I don't have, then I, they made the decision for me. So I, from that sense, I, he, he sounds much more sympathetic than what originally was portrayed. It's literally, I think, the best thing he could possibly say to explain why he's being crazy. I think it's also one of the most overused excuses that people have, you know, when they act crazy and go, you know, sorry, I'm on, yeah, I'm a painkiller. I'm on a drug. It's much more believable, of course, when an athlete does it. But there's a little bit of he said, he said thing going on because the coach is denying that he ever mentioned anything like this or, 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 or protested taking the, you know, the medication. Well, I don't think he's actually saying the medication is what caused him to do it. He's just going, the team was going to extreme lengths to get me on the field, such as injecting me with a painful, sometimes or dangerous drug i'm on the field and that was not enough and then they tell me i have to play and so he lost it i don't think he's blaming the drug i think you should blame the drug i mean you can just rip your shirt off in the middle i, I well, well that's that's part yeah. of that's part of his story is he goes look i know i'm a, i'm a, a guy that's tightly wound but when my coach and my team the organization that i love and play for and sacrifice my body for tells me i can't tell you no i lost it well, I'm just picturing what it would happen in court. Let's say, you know, a fine member of the audience here had me as their attorney, and I suddenly, uh, in the middle of court, ripped my shirt off and began yelling at the judge that I've had it and, uh, and scoring buff. It's a very Vegas thing. I could see that happening. It probably has happened. There was a judge, though. We know a judge who actually fired his gun I, in his yeah. chambers during a meeting. So, so again, this kind of thing could very, very well happen in a courtroom in Vegas. But all right, so... Where does this go? He's going to stay fired. The big thing question I have is he's a weird guy. Now he's been weird again. He got fired. Does he get rehired? I don't think so. 
I think is this he is, done? Yeah, I think he's done. But I could see some type of legal action coming from this. If his if he's going to stick to his story that he was truly hurt and the team was not taking care of him and they forced him into this situation, then I believe it. But what the what what's really interesting here is look, he stormed off the field because of he was upset and he was angry with his team because of how they were handling his injury. But then the Bucks are saying we tried contacting him to get him to a doctor and trying to help him after that incident and he's been non-responsive and so that's why they terminated his contract so so he might try to pursue the bucks for some type of wrongful termination etc but if it if it if it, the storyline plays out that he has failed to communicate with them since that game it's going to be very tough for him fascinating all right had to ask it was a big news story and it, it came up again all right today Friends, you may or may not be aware, some people actually are not aware of this at all, that it's a very somber uh, anniversary. So one year ago today uh, that um, a bunch of Trump supporters uh, stormed the Capitol. Uh, now, it's in the news today because it's an anniversary, and, and the, the media, of course, is playing this thing up tremendously. I, Ash, I, I know where I know where I was a year ago. One year ago today, I was in bed with COVID. And because I was in bed with COVID, of all things, I had time to do something that normally I never have time to do during the day. And that is watch TV. And if any of you have had a COVID or a bad flu, you know what I'm talking about. You just incapacity, you're lying in bed. So I'm watching Fox News. And I I, I was I was watching in real time the Trump speech yeah that is now being cited as the the I don't know the the powder the fuse that lit the powder keg of the events that then transpired later that afternoon and I'm watching the Trump speech and I'm watching it as a as a longtime Trump fan and an early supporter of Trump's and I and I texted my dad in that moment I, it's vivid memory. I texted him. I said, "I uh, Trump's lost me." <laughs> just like the speech was, just it, it just it was a bridge too far for me. Okay. And I, it, that's not really the point of the story. The point of the story is I'm listening to it in real time. I'm going, "This is too much," and I turned it off. And I went to sleep, and I woke up to all hell breaking loose. Meaning, I woke up to to the TV on, and 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 it was. Or I turned the TV back on and I saw that this 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 event was unfolding. I'm not approaching this event. My perspective, this is me personally. It's I'm I'm just me looking at this from the outside as an observer, as a as a as a you know as a two-time Trump voter. I'm looking at this and I'm and I go, I I saw this event. I saw the the speech as being unnecessary. Trump kind of going off the deep end, losing me. But then I've I've I saw what happened, right? Mm-hmm. And then I've seen the the government's reaction to it, right? I've seen the FBI round up every you know mom pop realtor that was there, anybody that got triangulated, you know, their cell phone happened to be on the you know in the anywhere near the Capitol building, those people all got picked up, put in the paddy wagon, and charged with some pretty serious federal crimes. And then I've also seen at the same time this. Uh, you know, media narrative begin to develop it, that that is, I, I don't know, it just seems to be to be a little bit hysterical. All right. Now, yes. 
I thought, and 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 this would be a good time to bring in someone here who is not a huge Trump fan, but also is a former government intel analyst, good friend of the program, Robbie Hagland, uh, to have him come and, and talk about this. So we've got him here in the studio. Robbie, thank you for making time for us today on this on this anniversary of uh, January the sixth. How are you? Yeah. I'm- I'm I'm great and I'm happy to be here on such a momentous uh I think infamous as as Kamala Harris called it say maybe uh occasion is January 6th. Don't I, yeah, don't you think it's offensive though what she's compared it to? Pearl Harbor 9/11. Well, it's it's yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous and I for for somebody who wants to propose that this day live in infamy like Pearl Harbor or like 9-11, I would just ask them what they think about March 9th, 2011 or March 1st, 1971. Do those dates mean anything to them? And the reason I would ask, yeah, so March 9th, 2011, you had pro-union activists rampage the state capitol in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, they were breaking things, tearing doors off the hinges to get in. Uh, I remember somebody tweeted, or not tweeted, somebody uh, texted Governor Walker saying they were going to gut his wife like a deer. And Nancy Pelosi uh, tweeted support for this, said it's impressive show of democracy in action and that we should uh, stand in solidarity with these activists. And 1971, uh, that was when the Weather Underground bombed the Capitol in Washington, D.C. with dynamite. I'm so glad you brought up these two um, events because the, 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 the second, right, the Weather Underground, I remember being in college in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. And I remember the Weather Underground, you know, these professors at UCI, uh, University of California, right? Very left-wing professors talking in glowing terms about the weather underground as a, you know, boy, those those old chaps, you know, they were doing they were doing the Lord's work out there. It, it, literally, in the context of history classes, you know, raising them and putting them up on a pedestal, and and the the you know obviously the death toll, the, the mayhem, the, the 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 fear, the true domestic terrorism that that was. Um, elevated in 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 classrooms all across america as being um you know being being somehow noble uh and praiseworthy robbie we have to take a short quick break i know we just brought you in on this but but i I gotta take a quick break when we come back the question i have right is i think we we all understand i think people people who are listening understand that there's there's something abusive about how this entire narrative is being put together, right? They, they, they get it, but they don't exactly know why. They smell a rat, but they can't quite put their finger on it because, you know, we're, we're a little removed for it. If, you, if you're not close to this, if you don't know somebody who's arrested and, you know, put into solitary confi- confinement essentially for a trespass charge, right? I want to put this into context, right? Because in that same year, there were BLM riots going on across the country where far more destructive, dangerous, horrible things were done, okay? And the punishments meted out were, were uh, 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 not even comparable, even for serious assaults and murders, not co- almost not comparable to what is being done to these guys that, 
you know, stormed the Capitol and, and, and rioted and, and, and scared a whole bunch of people, but, you know, essentially resulted in zero deaths. So I want to get your thought on that when we come back. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash. News Talk 840 KXNT will be back in just a moment. Sam and Ash Injury Law has been named the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. Sam and Ash Injury Law, they care, they help, you win. 702-820-1234 or salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. And you're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840 KXNT, your two favorite local Las Vegas attorneys making fools of themselves on the radio every day. Uh, for your listening pleasure, Ashley is scowling at me in a sort of giving me a speak for yourself <laughs> reproachful look, which I, I know how to interpret because I, I get that every uh, few times a day. Um, <laughs> we're talking about, we have to today, it's January the 6th. And look, uh, in studio with us, we've got Robbie Hagland, good friend of ours. He's a former government intel analyst. Uh, served in the military. We've had you on before, Robbie. Always a joy. Wanted to bring you on today because so much, I, I think, my opinion on this, so much misinformation. And also, I, look, I'm a, I approach things as a lawyer. I'm an attorney, and I look at, uh, for me, you know, there's the, the equal application uh, of the law to individuals, right? The, a lot of of, I guess, equality. We talk a lot about equality. A lot of equal protection and application under the law comes down to something called pro uh, prosecutorial discretion, right? The choices prosecutors make against whom to file charges and what charges to file. And so two people can commit fundamentally the same crime and yet end up in a in illegally in a completely different area based on the opinion that the or the, the decisions made by the prosecutor right and the the thing i love to compare when it comes to when i look at september uh, uh excuse me january 6 2021 you one year ago today the fbi mobilized in a way that was i mean virtually unprecedented conducted this enormous manhunt by Merrick Garland's own admission today, fielded up to 300,000 tips from the public and have arrested hundreds and hundreds of people. Okay, at the same time, that preceding year, you had some of the same exact crimes occur, meaning you had people who were trespassing and destroying, vandalizing government property, federal government property, courthouses and other facilities. None of those people were were prosecuted the same way, and and the the I mean the sentences are just I mean the, some of these people I had I had a list here I mean sixty three months for assaulting a police officer look by the way right um, a lot of police officers getting assaulted right now people are getting let out of, you know bounced out on bail immediately sixty three months forty six months resisting and impeding officers with a dangerous weapon. 41 months uh, obstructing an official proceeding and then you've got interstate communication of threats 28 months and i wonder you, know, you read get into these details of some of this stuff and it seems to me like a bad day on facebook right i mean some of the stuff that people are writing so robbie what's your take on this you know and, and, and you're putting on your your 
you know, your your skeptic hat, but also some of your professional experience. What, what's your what's your view of all this? Oh, well, my my skeptic hat never comes off. I think I sleep in it. Um, but I would I would say it's important to recognize the seriousness that this is being treated with because it's it's not just that they're being charged and then eventually sentenced, but for the majority of these people, they're being held without bail. They're being treated, I mean, almost like Gitmo prisoners. Whereas when you had the uh, BLM protests, the people who did you know very similar things. Uh, they were, you know, they had celebrity fundraised uh, bail funds to get them out on bail. So I, I think that's a huge difference. The other thing that that my skeptical hat immediately picks up on is the formal language that you just read of these charges. Uh, it it always, or I shouldn't say it always, but it often sounds a lot more serious than it is. So I would want to know, you know, what are the what are the specific uh actions that that are being attributed to assault assaulting a police officer um you know does that mean that you you know shouldered your way past him on your way into the into the capital or does it mean you know you hit somebody over the back of the head with a with a fire extinguisher those are two very different things that could end up uh having the same formal language attached to them well i i agree and on that note i think a lot of people and realize to, uh, don't realize I should say they don't realize that there actually was were, were no murders committed except if you consider you know Ashley Babbitt who was uh, killed uh, she was unarmed kind of pushing on a door to get into the chamber it was at the Senate chamber I believe and it was a it was a Capitol Hill police officer who shot and killed her and, and that was the only death and there's this you know there's this been this um, enormous amount of reporting around other deaths and police officers died. Now, mind you, and uh, you know, you don't have to trust me on this. Literally, no one has been charged with murder. So, if there, if there actually been a murder committed, the fact that they're charging resisting and impeding police officers and sentencing people for jail for that, obstructing an official proceeding and trespass, I, I'm fairly certain, Robbie, that they would be charging murder if they could. And they haven't, and yet in our kind of in 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 a lot of people's perception, this was a a bloody attempted coup, and and language to me always means something. It is has anybody here been charged, to your knowledge, with uh, you know with with treason or or an effort to overthrow the government? No, not not to my knowledge, and you know there you can horseshoe a lot of these things into saying this is like a coup this is interrupting democracy i mean i these things happen all the time but they don't happen with the same sort of fanfare from the corporate press and so if you have code pink interrupting a legislative session to protest war or leg or or interrupting a judicial nominee or any of these other processes of democracy of government um it, it it just doesn't rank. I mean, you can have Stacey Abrams refusing for years to concede her election in Georgia, and that's not a threat to democracy. But, you know, any suggestion that there was anything inappropriate in the 2020 elections, that is undermining democracy. And so I, I think you have to you have to take these things uh, and, and you have to analyze them with an equal hand, kind of like you were saying uh, at the beginning, you know, that that is part of being a lawyer is understanding that. And Robbie, what do you think the reason is for not doing this? 
Why isn't anyone looking at it like this, lining the two, the BLM protests and riots and January 6th up and making this discussion? Yeah, I, I don't know why more on the right aren't doing that. It's obvious why those on the left aren't doing it. It's been, you know, a very failed uh, agenda for uh, President Biden so far. And, you know, you think about what it, what are they going to say going into midterm elections? Yeah. And I, I think this is really a Hail Mary. One okay. billion to two billion damage uh, during the BLM riots. One point five million damage January 6th. Uh, Robbie, please stay with us for the break. We'll be back after this short Time out. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840. Alan Stock here. I'm a veteran radio broadcaster here in the Las Vegas area for over 22 years. What's Right with Sam and Ash is a show to listen to, something to not miss. Every weekday live for one hour starting at 2 p.m. right here on AM 840 KXNT. You can also get more of Sam and Ash, my legal team, on my Vegas Today show every Tuesday morning at 830. So stay tuned in because you deserve what's right. Yeah, I love this music. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840 KXNT. Ash, this uh, today at lunch, we were downtown, Mm -hmm. uh, went to a little restaurant called Triple George, which is modeled on a restaurant that you and I both love in San Francisco. Now, we haven't been to San Francisco in a while because we don't want to get shot or pooped (laughs) on. Um, So there's that. But, um, but, but, something about today being a special day for that particular restaurant. Yeah, the theme of today's show has been January 6th, and the Tadich Grill, which is San Francisco's oldest restaurant, has actually anointed today as Dave Portnoy Day. And Dave Portnoy is a controversial guy in media, especially in San Francisco, because he's he's a giant uh, conservative, interviewed Trump. Um, but the reason they, they anointed today is Dave Portnoy Day is because um, during the heart of COVID, he created the Barstool Fund, which I'm going to give you some numbers. One guy creates a fund to help restaurants through the pandemic and the struggle of of what all those shutdowns that governments imposed nationwide. He starts a, a fund where people can donate money to eventually support businesses, small businesses. In total to this day, 41693000 was raised. And there it's was, unreal. There was 230-some yeah. supporters, and out of that money, 443 businesses were supported. And one of them was the Tadich Grill. Lovely. Do we know if any of those businesses were burned down during the BLM riots? I don't. I don't think so. Well, if it had happened, uh, nobody would have gotten prosecuted for it. I can tell you that for sure. Um, uh, all right. We in studio with us is Robbie. Robbie, have you uh, have you eaten with us over there at uh, at, at at We got to go there. It's in a very cute place here in town. The the restaurant that Ash is talking about in San Francisco is. I believe actually the oldest restaurant in, in California, California yeah. Tadich Grill. And if you want to get a feel for it, it's it's literally it's been fairly authentically recreated here downtown. It's over by Hogs and Heifers, uh, the the biker bar and um, Third Street, Third Street. Yeah. By yeah. the by the mob museum. Uh, lovely spot. And uh, we we like but that. There. So that's my genius. Well, I'd, I'd love to go. We could we could swing by the Eiffel Tower before and. <laughs> and see yep. the pyramids too. Yes. Yeah. And and the Empire State <laughs> Building. Robbie, we are pleased to have you here as our 
all well you're you're one one you're our favorite skeptic of all things government related but it's funny because your skepticism comes from working for the government uh, <laughs> as an intel analyst and so you've you're in recovery okay you've you've left that and are now uh, well outside of that world uh, and from the outside looking in you're seeing this narrative take shape it's what we're talking about today because it's the one-year anniversary of january 6th i mentioned at the top of the hour that i remember watching this from my deathbed you know just kidding there i was you know had the covid a year ago was in bed was watching trump's speech as a trump supporter or guy I, I looked at the speech i was like this is this guy's this guy's just gone off the deep end i i i um I'm I'm done with it. Went to sleep, turned it off, went to sleep, and woke up to the you know back to the world basically coming apart. And and look, I don't deny Robbie for a minute that people who were in their offices that were you know there's a mob outside and yelling and screaming that they weren't scared. But to put this event on par with say Pearl Harbor, which is the kind of language both. Kamala Harris and um, Vice President Biden, I'm kidding, other way around, doesn't matter, uh, were using today in their speeches. To use that, to, to liken it, to, to equate the two, I think is, uh, is so disrespectful and, and just deranged. I have no other word for it. Uh, so I, I, I'm just, that part of it is, 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 is fascinating. I, um, but before, I, I, want, I don't want to miss this one point. I, I understand, Robbie, that there, there was a guy that was captured on multiple videos, in multiple videos. His name um, is allegedly Ray, Ray Epps. Epps. Yeah. And he was caught on camera encouraging people to enter the Capitol. And this guy has never been arrested. What do you make of that? No. He he's not been arrested. He's basically been scrubbed. And you have the same thing with uh, one of the leaders of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes, who was who was there as well, kind of inciting this to happen. And what you have is you have a lot of these small fish uh, getting these huge charges and these uh, big fish, the people who were encouraging it, people who uh, came with bolt cutters, uh, the guy, they call him scaffolding commander, who's on the scaffolding, uh, yelling at people to to go in. For some reason, the instigators uh, are are not even being searched or charged. Uh, and you know, Stuart Rhodes, I, I believe it took them uh, a matter of four or five months to even uh, go get his phone and and to search his phone. So it... It is a little crazy, and you know, while there's not proof that this was an FBI plot, um, this is this is something that's really sad to me because I think the left used to be so good on understanding the role that the FBI can play in these sorts of things. You know, you had through the '60s the FBI infiltrating all sorts of uh, civil rights organizations, uh, basically trying to get uh, Martin Luther King to commit suicide. You had. Uh, I mean, after 9-11, you've had the FBI creating terror plots, convincing vulnerable people that they would find in mosques and places like that, people who had no friends, you know, convincing them to commit terror attacks and then foiling the terror, terror plot. And so you have this kind of behavior from the FBI uh, in the past, 
And as recently as uh, October 2020, we know for certain that 12 of the 26 plotters in the plot to kidnap uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, 12 of the 26 plotters were uh, either FBI or FBI uh, paid informants. And so we know these things. Yeah, we, we, we know these things happen. And so to, to dismiss it out of the word for that is entrapment, by the way, entrapment. Yeah. Except for, you know, it's never, it's not, it, it's not shaking out that way, uh, in, in the courts, unfortunately, um, as being entrapment. And you'd think that the left would be better on this, especially, especially with, you know, BLM, a, a, an organization that I think um, you you said before the break, you were talking about people who just kind of smell something's not right. I I think a lot of the people who supported BLM, that's what that's what they were there for. They smelled that something was rotten in police behavior and police abuse, and so they engaged with this group. And they should also be very sensitive to the idea that there were likely agent provocateurs and there were people who uh, were from the Bureau or other government organizations who were trying to instigate violence in those riots. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily excuse behaviors, but uh, it doesn't excuse behavior of the FBI either. No, I, I understand that. I, I just want to point something out just so people understand this procedurally. If you have a, a perpetrator who is a suspected ringleader, a suspected participant yeah. in a criminal conspiracy or any criminal act, if the government intends or the prosecutor intends, the police intend to turn that person and have them become a cooperating witness, the first thing they do, it's a matter of course is arrest them charge them they might put that indictment or charge under seal but regardless they're going to pick them up and charge them. you're going to know you there there's going to be something there they will be brought in they will be and then and then they you know and and then they end up cooperating and, it, and it's a pressure that's that's put on them there doesn't seem especially when it comes to this Epps guy to me, it just, I, this is where I, I can't wrap my head around it. I, to me, he has to be, he's either been, he's either been, was quietly arrested and whatnot, but the fact that he is out and about is, is, um, is living his life and seems to not be testifying. We, we don't have any evidence of him testifying against people either. To me, it's, it almost seems like, as far-fetched as it, as it is, that the, the, the FBI um, put some people on the ground to whip up. They knew, and, and I, by the way, I think, you know, I think Trump set himself up for this, right? He's the one who called all these people to come to the Capitol, have the rally, everything. And, you know, there, there very well could be that there were, there were government participants in this that, that whipped up the crowd and encouraged them to enter the Capitol in order to make this a big deal. And, what do you think? I mean, honestly, you, you've seen the inside people, of it. What do you hearing, think the likelihood of that is? I, I think it's likely. And I think people who are hearing you should probably be thinking, oh, that sounds like a crazy conspiracy. And, and you know, that that wouldn't happen. It's important to recognize that if this was the case, if it happened, Ray Epps, Stuart Rhodes, these people might not have even known what they were doing or what the purpose of it was. They're basically given orders by their their handlers and the left hand is not talking to the right hand. And this is, you know, 
most intelligence operations, that's that's how it works is, you know, it's a need to know kind of thing. So you have this very severe compartmentalization and you have people acting in their various pieces without having a picture of the whole. And so you can you can often get these conspiracies that don't actually require some broad plan where everybody is involved and everybody is, you know, staying quiet and all of these things that, that people rightly point to as saying, you know, conspiracies, they don't, they don't work because people talk, but people can't talk about what they don't know about. I, I think this is, this is right. And, and I, I think that's why we have to talk about it because you're not going to hear it on CNN. And uh, for, with the exception of maybe a couple shows, you're not going to hear it on Fox News either. Uh, but it's worth talking about. And one thing I want to ask you after we got to take a quick break, Robbie, but I want to ask you about the pipe bomber because there's another guy that was dropping pipe bombs all across the Capitol and he's on surveillance video. And to date, there is no mention of rest. So, the, the, so to, again, the, the crazy thing to me is here the, the FBI has mobilized one of the largest manhunts in its history to arrest people who have been were throwing call it, you know, throwing stuff at cops, bad, that were tearing down barricades, got it, bad, who were entering unlawfully, you know, a a public building, bad, all those breaking the law, no doubt. But then you had a guy going around placing pipe bombs, and they haven't found him. There's no mention of it. They're not talking about it public. Again, it might be an ongoing investigation, but I want to ask you about that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash, the January 6th special on right now. Welcome back. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash, News Talk 840 KXNT. With us in studio today in beautiful downtown Las Vegas is none other than Robbie Hagland, a former uh, government intel analyst and... Um, official skeptic of the What's Right show. He's not a skeptic of the show. He's a skeptic he can be for a skeptic. the show. I'm a skeptic <laughs> of, the sh- of the show as well. Oh, I'm, I'm skeptical of everything. Uh, <laughs> okay. He never takes the hat off, remember? Equal opportunity skeptic. But this is, this is where I'm on the same page with Robbie. I My antenna on this January the 6th quote-unquote insurrection, my antenna is up. And I smell a rat. And I think a lot of people do too. And I'm, well, if anything, last couple of years, we've learned that the media narrative, it cannot be questioned. They tell us it's a certain way. We got to follow it until we start, you know, for example, you know, I, I know people who are die in the wool, left wing, you know, go with the flow CNN people. And suddenly they're going to, hang out with their triple vaccinated family members and they're all getting COVID and they're realizing, you know, what you're telling me about vaccines and COVID is not necessarily true, but it takes having a personal moment of realization where you're beginning to question the official narrative. It's much more difficult, I think, to do with something like this, which happened, you know, we're, oh, we're here in Las Vegas, Nevada. A lot of people, um, you know, like us, what happened is far away. I personally don't know anybody who went to the event, went to the to the rally. Um, but, you know, again, I don't know anybody, certainly don't know anybody that was arrested. But I I've, I've keep reading on the news of these kind of hapless people that have that went, you know, got caught up in the moment 
Um, they didn't go there to overthrow the government. Calling this an insurrection would then require people who participated in the event to be charged with treason or to be charged with an, an attempted Attempt, yeah. attempted overthrow of the U.S. government. When you can produce those charges, then I then I'm willing to call it and get them convicted on those charges. Then we can talk. Until then, it, we can call it a riot. We can call it whatever. But it's not an insurrection. So I have that. Robbie, before the break, I wanted to ask you the pipe bomber. This is one of those things. Big open ended question mark for me. A guy. I believe the night before caught on video going around the Capitol. Uh, so on the 5th, uh, night of the 5th, going around the Capitol placing what appeared to be pipe bombs. Um, the guy was never captured. We've not heard anything about him. What do you make of that? Well, it's, it's more than that. I mean, have you guys seen pictures of the pipe bomb? No, I haven't. Do I it need to Google looks this? like... It looks like it was made in Acme Laboratories by the Wiley Coyote. <laughs> I don't need to Google there, it. I know exactly what you mean. There's no attempt to hide what's going on there. It's a pipe with wires and one of those old school kitchen timers that you twist. I mean, it is it is a cartoon version of a bomb. And, you know, the, the reports have been that it was active and that it could have gone off if it was not found in time. Those might be correct, but it definitely was not designed to be hidden or to be disguised. And so for me, that that raises my antenna right there as well. And, and as well as the fact that it was put in front of, you know, the RNC and DNC. Like what what is the what is the purpose here? Is it to create? sympathy for the under siege lawmakers is it i don't is it for a hero story for the for law enforcement who was there i i don't know and i think that's where people get into trouble with these you know your antenna goes up and you you want answers but uh i i think like you're doing sometimes the most you can do is is kind of sit there with the the discomfort and know that something's rotten but but maybe you'll never know exactly what and even if everything is exactly at face value, my takeaway here is that the the FBI is very good at catching real estate agents, teachers, retired police officers who have their cell phones on them and and without any face masks, show up at the Capitol, do some stupid crap, be on camera, post photos of themselves doing it. They got them. But then when it comes to actually finding a guy that is, and if I'm taking it at face value, right, not reading into it at all, but they have, a, have had a year to find a dude walking around the Capitol, which ought to be, I don't think, the most secure part of our country, right, in theory, placing pipe bombs all over, and they can't find the guy. To me, at the very least, calls into, the question, calls into question the FBI's capacity to actually solve crime real crime yeah no this is actually insane i, I googled the pipe bomb and robbie you were 100 percent serious <laughs> it is a silver pipe that's a, a, over a foot and inch diameter and it has an egg timer strapped to so it literally is a cartoon of a pipe bomb 
I mean, and you're right. There's got to be something fishy here. There's just it, it's it. I think you're you're 100 percent correct in the sense that it just doesn't pass the smell test. And we talk about that in law all the time is it just the facts don't line up. And that's that's really what's frustrating here is as a citizen, you want to be able to trust your government. You want to be able to trust law enforcement. And then when it fails you, you're left at a very in a situation where you're very uncomfortable. And it, I just don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan either, and I'm not a fan of the rhetoric that surrounded it. Uh, you know, from the beginning, people also you know overplaying it, saying it's an attack on the the temple of our democracy was probably my my favorite one. Oh. And the the idea that this was some credible threat to our democracy, and I I have a little skeptic rule in my head. My spidey senses go off anytime anybody is trying to sell me something with the word democracy because it is. I mean, the vast majority of the time, that is that is bad people trying to convince you of bad things. That's spreading democracy to Iraq, or it's the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, democratic socialism. Joe Manchin's a threat to democracy for voting against Build Back Better. I mean, it, it it's it's one of those weasel words to to watch out for. Eighteen U.S. Code Section twenty three eighty four, seditious conspiracy. If two or more people in any state or territory conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States. I'm reading out ahead. Or oppose by force the authority thereof. To prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law in the United States. Or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the U.S. Blah, 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 blah. When they charge someone, Robbie, with that code, then I will accept that this was, you know, an insurrection. Until then climb a hill. All right. Thanks for being with us, Robbie. We'll see you next time, hopefully. Please join us. What's Right with Sam and Ash? It's been great.